Choose life, choose a sport, choose a drop zone, choose a start time, choose a fucking big jump plane, choose turbine engines, speed, unlimited altitude, and endless horizons. Choose height, no low turns, and travel insurance. Choose jump tickets, choose tiny action cameras, choose your mates, choose a rig and matching helmet, choose swoop shorts and a range of fucking fabrics, choose 120 vertical speed and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch, watching debriefs, spirit-saving slow-mos, smashing beers after last load. Choose standing on the podium at the end of it all. Choose a win you'll love every time. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you fly NZ Aerosports? Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe... There's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports, fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it, swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust, like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot, the Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch, the JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game, the Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So the equipment is top of the line kick-ass stuff as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot.
Ready, set, go! All right, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe, Into the Void, and straight into it as always. Who the fuck are you, and what do you do? My name is Jeff Weatherall, and I am a professional skydiver, I guess you would say. Professional skydiver. I love when people say that, because you and I, and most skydivers know, there's very little that's professional about what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Well... No doubt about that. And the, and the funniest thing about this whole thing is that I still wouldn't consider myself a skydiver, like air quotes, really. Right. I, I'm, I'm a base jumper that has like come back around into skydiving for many different reasons. And um, now it's my job. How funny is that? You know, I, I tell you what, you're not the first person who I know that uh, got into air sports because they wanted to base jump and do all that stuff and slowly came back around to really enjoying the fact that it all started with skydiving. Uh, so that's really interesting that you say that. I want to dig into that a little bit more down the road, uh, but I want to know how you got started. What what brought you into and I hate to use this phrase because it's fucking overused, but what got you into the extreme sports lifestyle? <laughs> it's a uh, cliche, but, it um, is. you know, I was, I was born in the eighties, came through in the, in the nineties and the early two thousands when there was, you know, punk rock and skateboarding and surfing and, and, uh, you know, professional snowboarding was blowing up all of that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I grew up in New Zealand in a really small town, just North of Auckland uh on the east coast and i just from the from the get-go i got given a skateboard when i was probably four or five Mm. and then i just that just kind of led me down the hole of skateboarding surfing snowboarding and then and then you know in in further to where we are today but um i think for me with air sports it came about probably 16 years old i saw a some footage of a guy named frank Gambali, who's one of the original, you would say, professional base jumpers on yeah, TV. Man. I saw a picture of him jumping the Empire State Building. Yeah. And for some reason there was just something about that 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 grabbed me. I was like, I have to do that one day. That that is the coolest thing I have ever seen. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I will be a base jumper. That's and epic. it didn't take it it took me till thirty two to real to realize that. Wow. First base jump. Wow. Dude, that's quite a long time from dream to, to actually doing it. And it's funny that you bring up Frank as well, because I remember watching the Chronicles videos from way back in the day, you know, Omar and Olav and all these guys. And Frank was in one of them jumping. I think it was, I'm almost positive it was Frank jumping a power tower with the cops down yeah. below him. Yeah. Jumps it, lands in front of the cops, and gets the fucking cop to hold his stash bag while he puts a canopy (laughs) in it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Style on a whole new level. So you already get major credit from me for using him as the guy that you're looking up to because fuck me, what a story, right? Yeah. Well, it's funny because growing growing up, I always wanted to be a professional surfer. Mm. Um, through school, I lived in this like small East coast town and we could go from the East coast to the West coast within maybe half an hour. So I had access to a lot of places to surf and I just wanted to be a pro Mm. so bad when I was young. That was, I didn't, I was shit at school. (laughs) I, uh, well, what do they say? Uh, would do well if he applied himself or, uh, (laughs) distracts, distracts others in class. Right. Pretty much like 
the standard <laughs> school. Sure. But um, I did a lot of contests when I was young, when I was really young. Um, got lucky to travel around, had a few like sponsors as a young kid, like in the under 16, kind of 17 category where um, I did get to surf a lot and I did quite well. Mm. Um, and then I just kind of got burnt out from contests from just going and surfing in places with really shit waves and it just kind of made me lose the love for that and sure. I was just like I kind of ended up going away from that I had this kind of life-changing experience at school I got, I got to go on this trip there in New Zealand they have this um it's like a tall ship like basically what Captain Cook discovered New Zealand on mm. Um, and they have like a replica of this thing and, uh, they pick certain people from certain schools to come on this ship and, uh, it's called the spirit of adventure. I ended up going on this trip and, um, for some reason it was just like a, a realization of like, oh, I don't need to conform to what school says is a career or this or that. I suddenly realized, oh my God, you could pretty much do whatever you think what mm. something that you love like you could you could chase and that that realization kind of came to fruition and i just left school right away after that went down this path of like indoor like uh, i did a diploma in outdoor education and recreation and then uh that led me um into going into working in some ski resorts in new zealand mm. i ended up becoming a snowboard instructor um down the track and from there, wakeboarding kind of just came onto my plate. Mm. And um, I was at a point where I was thinking, well, maybe I could turn professional snowboarding and um, maybe I'll go back-to-back -back winter in Whistler, you know, winter in New Zealand. And during uh, a summer that I was going to save up, <laughs> uh, an auntie and uncle of mine, they were like, hey, you should come, come wakeboarding. And I was like, no, 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 I'm focused on the snowboarding thing right. and they're like no you should you should come and i was like no and they're like okay we'll pay for you to come and i was like okay i'm coming <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> so so i went up to uh the set of lakes up in the in the northwest of new zealand called uh kaiiwi lakes mm. now they're just north of a place called dargaville and they're some of the cleanest most beautiful lakes in the world and i went up there and spent a week and um wakeboard i guess because of my background in skateboarding and surfing and um snowboarding and stuff just those board sports all kind of culminated together and i picked it up really quickly mm. and i i was like wow this is really fun next minute i'm wakeboarding every weekend and i'm going holy <laughs> shit i gotta go back to back to the snow soon <laughs> and uh i went back to the snow and the whole winter i was consumed with oh my god I, th th I found this whole new sport and it's taken over and I love snowboarding and do I want to turn pro at this or is this a thing that I could do? I don't really know. And at the time in New Zealand, that we had had a bunch of pro snowboarders already mm. and I was like, how fucking cool would it be to be New Zealand's first professional wakeboarder, like legit professional wakeboarder, like not a guy that like get some stickers and some t-shirts but like a guy that like does really well and puts new zealand on the map sure. so i went back to the snow for a season and then after after that i was like i'm gonna do a summer i'm gonna dedicate the whole summer to wakeboarding I'm gonna do the local contest at the end of the year it's gonna culminate in the new zealand national championships and i was like if i do top three at that i will 
go to the USA, I'll go to Orlando, Florida, which is the mecca of wakeboarding, hmm. and um, see how I stack up against the, the rest of the world. And so I went to that Nationals, and I subsequently won the Nationals there. Oh, and I got a $1,000 check, right? And so for like a 17-and-a-half-year-old, I got the big, the giant check. And right. I got a 1000 and I just got like this was pre 9-11 so I just like one way tickets straight to Orlando, Florida that's fucking epic man and, yeah so now this that is was the start of this is back in the, the day when of- and let me see if I get the name right this is when uh, and I, I know him as a kid because I'm fucking old but uh, his name was Parks Bonifay yeah he was yeah, like the, Parks is the man yeah he was like He's the, still the- the top of the fucking pyramid, right? Because I remember um, I, I did a little bit of board sports, but not nearly like you. But I remember watching this kid, and he was a fucking kid at the time, named Parks Bonifay, which is the coolest name ever anyway. Um, but watching this kid on a wakeboard just doing shit that was unreal. So next thing you know, that's that's the kind of stuff you're doing. I mean, this is epic. Yes. His name, I mean, Parks is a good friend now, and he's a, his name is synonymous with wakeboarding. Yeah. If I go anywhere in the world, I sit on a plane and I talk to someone about wakeboarding. If they know anything, they know his name. Yeah, that's the that's all they know about wakeboarding. They're like Parks Bonifay. That's the guy, right? He's like, the, I mean, he's the he's the Kelly Slater of wakeboarding. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, he he. Well, they used to call him the water skiing baby. His parents were professional water skiers at Cypress Gardens doing like the pyramid ski shows and jumping ramps and not wearing life jackets and none of that bullshit. Right. Like, like they were like old school. And then Parks Bonifay at six months years old, they put six months old, sorry, they put him on a set of skis and they pulled him behind the boat, like, you know, <laughs> probably like two miles an hour. And and he he so he grew up in that you know right it's kind of like it's kind of like people that grow up on drop zones right and then we go on to see them become the most amazing like air sports athletes it's, right it's gonna happen and they think nothing of it because it's just all they've ever known no, no. oh wow yeah, exactly. so I mean you you head to the United <laughs> States you're just now you're in Florida because you're in New Zealand you're the man yeah. 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 I just, so I just won the, I won the New Zealand nationals. And then in, in Florida, they have all of these, um, uh, ski and wakeboard schools all over the place. Like, cause you know, you know, Florida, there's yeah. a million lakes. Yeah. Like lakefront property is not a big deal. It's everywhere. <laughs> right. And, uh, so I, I re- I opened the back of a, the wakeboard magazine at the time and it's got like all the lists, all the listings of all the places. And one by one, I just ring them. Hey, my name's Jeff. I just won the New Zealand nationals. I'm the best New Zealand has. I want to come to, uh, wanted to come to Florida, but I can only get a tourist visa. So can you help me out? Right. Can, how, how can I come here? How can I'll coach for free? Oh, if you can give me a place to live and a place to ride and I'll do the rest for free and we'll call it a high five. Nice. And there was uh, a fair few operators at the time that were taking full advantage of that situation by getting lots of Europeans and sure. like Kiwis, Australian, different people to come in. And, um, and anyways, this lady, Jennifer Leachman, she ran a company called O-Town Watersports um, on Lake Barton, which is uh, just not very far from the Orlando airport. 
she was professional water skier at that time. She's like, can you be here by next week? I was <laughs> like, absolutely. I'm on a plane right now. So jump on a plane, fly up. She gives me like place to stay, unlimited riding. Uh, a big dually truck, which I I didn't even know what a dually was, right? Like that's Florida, all right. A, a gas card and um sh- and fifty bucks a week for food, and so like you know I'm buying like those like ten for ten dollar pizzas. I'm having like the probably the worst diet ever. Sure, sure. But um the most fun I could get up. So the, the deal was between nine a.m. and four p.m. I'm doing what I'm coaching. I'm taking kids on like kids camps. I'm teaching people to water ski, all of the things. But after that, I got free access to to the boats to do whatever I want. And um, I, my, my thought process and mentality at that time was, okay, I'm 17, 18 years old. I'm looking up to these guys like Parks Bonifay, Darren Shapiro, Sean Murray, like all these huge wakeboard names. And I'm like, well, these guys have been – They've been doing this for a long time now, and I've got a lot to catch up. Mm. So I was thinking, all I need to do is put the time in. So any given chance, I was right. I was riding like seven, eight times a day. Like I would, I would wake up at like four or five in the morning, ride till nine in the afternoon, ride from four till eight, to, and then just rinse and repeat every day. Sure. Fucking yeah. hell. I mean, that's an epic amount of training. Now, so you get to the States, you do all this training, you're going balls out. How did it go? So the first year, I, well, it was funny because I got there and I and being a small, being from a small town in New Zealand, like everything in America seems larger than life. Sure. Like in the magazines and the videos and the pros, it seems so far away and unattainable and mm. then i get to orlando and the very first day i'm there and i'm thinking oh my god i'm gonna there's gonna be working with these other coaches and i'm i'm gonna just learn so much right off the bat and i get to this place and uh first day we go riding they're like hey yeah come out we'll just go for a ride. i was already like we went for a ride and i was already like better than them and i was like oh i was like oh i thought there would have been a like higher standard on the on the local level maybe but i was like oh but but with within probably a month or two of being there i got to start meeting my heroes these guys that i've just been looking up to i'm watching every dvd of theirs like till the finger just you know scratched and worn out sure and then i started realizing hey I really think I can, I can do this with a, with a bit of time and a bit of training. I really think that I can probably compete on a good level with these. So I did that first season in, uh, in Orlando and I went home subsequently. This is where the story kind of changes a little because at the same time as I left to go to the U S uh, my family, uh, my brother and sister and my mom and dad decided that they wanted to move to the Gold Coast, Australia. Hmm. We came over here when I was probably about 12 years old on a on a rep- representative rugby trip. And my dad was just like, what is this place? Like <laughs> golden white sand beaches. It's sunny every day. Like, you know, New Zealand, it's beautiful, but damn, it rains a lot. Sure, right? Like sure. it's, it's green and it's beautiful because it rains a lot. And, uh, and the winter, unless you're at the resort, ain't that fun. Right. So he came over here and it's, you know, like 360 days a year of sunshine. And so it was kind of his mission from that time 
till till we actually moved over till to move over here so when i came back from the u.s australia was home all of a sudden right and you know i loved it i'd been here plenty of times before like back and forth on school holidays and stuff when i was young but um came back here started training and blew out my knee for the first time which was in 2001 acl six months out i'm not even pro yet i'm just like trying to trying to be pro but like taking you know right everything in my own stride and paying for everything myself so i had to sit out on the sidelines for the doctor was like six months minimum i'm like (laughs) it's got to be less than that it's got to be less than that so the funny thing was was i had seen enough in orlando and met enough people and stuff by that time that i was like this is what i'm doing there's no questions about I'm going to be a world champion. I'm going to commit everything I have to do to to get there. And the, the blowing the knee out, probably looking back at that time, was probably the best thing that ever happened because it just ignited the fire even more in terms of every I, all I was seeing was everybody else was getting better sure. and I'm sitting on the couch. Sure. So I'm just, you know, just gritting my teeth, just wait, like, what could I do? Rehab? How could I? I did all the things and more. And <clears throat> at I think at four months, I was back in Orlando, <laughs> four months after that knee surgery, and I was riding against doctor's orders in a knee brace. And uh, at the six-month at the six month mark, I competed in my first uh, world competition, wow. like, a, a, you know, like on the, sta- on the world stage. I wasn't in the pro level yet. I was in a, a division called Men's One. Okay. Um, and they actually – this is a funny thing for you to, that links back into skydiving is that was actually held at Lake Elsinore <laughs> in the channel right next to the motocross track and right next to the DZ. Awesome. And at the time, I, at the time that was not even on skydiving was, wasn't even on the radar That's really, awesome. other than that and initial like, Hey, it would be cool to skydive, but I definitely want to base jump one day. Right. Um, went there, came second and, um, from then on, it was just like balls to the wall, all or nothing. It was pretty much it was all. It was all. I gave I gave everything I had, and sure. I fifteen year long career. It, it took me to like crazy places that I never would have imagined, and and the things I've gotten to done, and the rock star lifestyle that I got gotten to live over those years been pretty crazy. Well, you know, it's kind of funny too because there's a lot of parallels between uh, everything you're talking about and the skydiving world because you, it's very easy to get well-known, dare I say famous in skydiving because it's such a small community and it's got to be the same way in wakeboarding because at the level you're competing in, we're not talking about a lot of people, you know? I mean, it's still a pretty small sport, although it's very popular. Uh, It's not football, it's not baseball. It's so in that world, you get very well-known, but as soon as you step outside that world, nobody knows who the fuck you are. So it's weird, right? Uh, Kind of cool, yeah, actually. yeah, absolutely. So, you- I, I, think, I think through the years, getting to taste a bit of fame was like as cool in one aspect, and then in some other aspects, it's like you would go to a town sometimes and you're just sitting with your friends and you want to have dinner, right? And you're getting and you're getting like you know, kids and parents are bringing a wakeboard to your table to sign, <laughs> and you're just like, it's not just like fun, it's like 
now you can't even eat your dinner with your friends. And I, I can't even, I used to think, oh my God, like imagine being Eminem or right. someone so famous that you, you know, you literally can't take a piss without someone standing next to you asking for an autograph. So I think on one hand it was cool. I got like the, a touch of fame. I got the, sure, you know, you would go to, con- you go to contests and I would spend four hours signing autographs in France or I would get to go backstage to every single concert we ever went to and all the other trimmings that come along with that kind of fun stuff. But then at the same time, as soon as I step out of the wakeboard industry, it kind of can be like, Oh, there's a, I'm just a guy (laughs) like everyone else. Right. Uh, Like I'm not getting hounded at the urinal for a signature, you know. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, fair Cause enough. Because that was because I honestly that would suck. I think that would be so shit to be so recognizable anywhere you go that you have to charter a private plane or yeah. that you you can't just relax with your friends and be who you are. Sure. Especially in this PC PC world oh, that we have. Oh man. Well, that was the 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 huge benefit to the minor <laughs> amount of notoriety that I've managed to get is I'm I'm known for writing articles and an audio only podcast. So, nobody knows who the fuck I am. It's fantastic, <laughs> you know. I mean, uh, so, so I definitely feel you there. It's funny though because you get it so it can be so overwhelming and intense in the little sport that you've got and I say little, but we're still talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. So a pretty big yeah. sport, but outside of that, nobody knows who the hell you are. And skydiving is just as obscure. And I, and I wanted to ask, so with the wakeboarding community, is the wakeboarding community more like skydivers or more like surfers? Because I know surfers are very independent. They are very territorial-driven, solo for the most part. And skydivers aren't that way. I'll tell you one thing. All of the sports, they all love to party the same. <laughs> doesn't matter whether you're a surfer or a snowboarder or a skateboarder or a wakeboarder or a skydive. Everybody likes – everybody parties on that, like, same level. Sure. And, like, no doubt about that. But, but yeah, you are right with um, surfers, especially with, with surfing. You're thinking about you're going to a place and you only have a finite resource. Right. So you go somewhere and you have too many people like where I live here on the Gold Coast. We have a, a famous point break called Snapper Rocks and I live five minutes from it and I barely surf it because it like there's it makes me want to shoot myself in the face. Mm. It's like there's just too many people and not enough of uh, not enough of the resource, which is waves to be enjoyable. Whereas if you go wakeboarding or uh, skydiving or snowboarding it's one of those things that everybody can partake in sure and nobody's missing out because nobody's like oh well there wasn't enough waves for me or i wasn't good enough right. or whatever so yeah there is a little bit of a disconnect so i would say wakeboarders are more like skydivers and you, you know what's really funny is after i started i started skydiving in 2006 now that's a whole other story for you which you're going to enjoy i think mm. but um a lot of wakeboarders have now crossed into the skydiving and then now into base jumping as well. Hmm. What do you think that reason is? Well, you got two things. First of all, you got the wakeboarding mecca, which is Orlando. (laughs) And secondly, you've got DeLand (laughs) right down the road, which again is a bit of a mecca for skydiving, is it not? Oh, yeah. Well, and it's a it's a very so, similar mentality. I mean, it's it's um, totally. kind of chasing the stoke to use a, to use a surfing yeah. term. 
Um, and and skydivers yeah. and and uh, surfers in that respect, I th- I think have a lot in common. Like most of the skydivers that yeah. I know, if they aren't surfers, they've certainly <laughs> tried to be. Um, you know, I mean, I yes. spent a, a whole lot of time bouncing to Bali, which I'm sure you've been there, living where you do, um, hitting yeah. some of the breaks that are there, and they're you know buried with people. And I've, every time I've been there, there's been at least five or six skydivers that are you know trying to surf any particular <laughs> yeah, break. Yeah, also there as well. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> so, you, this is awesome. You got your your drive in air sports was base jumping to start, and and uh, um, you waited how many years before you got to make your first base jump? I'm assuming because you were chasing the dream of wakeboarding. Well, there's there's several different factors there, but it, it, I mean, as a kid, I was an adventurous kid. Mm. Like we spent plenty of summertime just jumping off cliffs into the ocean or into the lakes and doing every sport imaginable especially if it was a water sport but from that that moment that i saw frank it kind of in the back of my mind at net i was just like that is the coolest thing i've ever seen i love to jump off stuff um i'd done every bungee jump in new zealand (laughs) you know um by the time i was probably 18 you know like what like my parents are like I think I was maybe actually only 14 or 15, even before I saw base jumping was like, what do you want to do for your birthday? I want to go to Taupo and I want to bungee jump. That's what I want to do. Like as a young kid there. So I, I, you know, I was lucky enough to do those things, Sure, but it wasn't till it was 2004. We were actually down in New Zealand on a wakeboard trip with a company that I was riding for at the time called j star wakeboards i had a pro model with those guys we were down there with the team we had four or five guys um and we used to do a lot of stuff with a company one of my very first sponsors was a company called ballistics wake and snow and they're in takapuna and they were like they were like responsible for cultivating the wakeboard scene in new zealand they had a wakeboard camp and as it would have as i came through I got to go to that camp and ride with some of the really good guys before I won my first nationals. Mm. And then subsequently, once I started going back and forth, I actually became a coach for those guys. I was living down at a place called Atiamuri, which is a, a small like logging town just north of Taupo. And uh, wakeboarding all summer, teaching anybody and everybody in New Zealand that wanted to wakeboard to come and do that. But this particular year, we were down there. By this stage, I was full-time professional i had paychecks from five different companies and i was doing pretty well and i was like you guys got to come to new zealand we got to go we're we're doing a lot of filming back in those days for dvds you Mm. know there was a lot of hype around the dvds you know it would take a year or two to produce when the dvd would come out like people have been waiting for it for a long time it was kind of thing same like when i was coming through i would you would hear about a dvd and the team rider coming out (laughs) and then it came out and then that thing was on repeat day and night, like had the <laughs> coolest music, had the best writing, you know, and you had to wait, you know, two months, three months for every magazine to come as well. So it was like the only source of like whatever was the new stuff. Sure. So we were down there filming for this DVD um, and we had a day We had a day off. We just had a, a weather day or whatever. It was, it was just like, let's have a day off. We've been riding heaps. We went into Telpo. We did the bungee together and the guys, I had like a Canadian with me, a couple of American guys. And I was like, let's go skydiving. And they were like, what? Mm. I was like, let's go skydiving. I was like, we got the team card 
we can put it on the card. We can film it and just throw a little bit in the video, like as an excuse, and we can have them pay for the whole lot. <laughs> Everybody was like, "Sure, let's do it." So we went down to Taupo skydive, and and we did our we did a first skydive. So I was 24 years old at the time. I was like, I I met the instructor. I can't remember his name offhand. I still got the certificate somewhere though. I actually <laughs> recently looked him up. Awesome. And tried to see if skydiving but no social media for this guy so i couldn't couldn't actually track him down sure. but it anyways we do the skydive i meet my instructor and i'm like dude i want to skydive like i'm gonna learn how to do this like show me every fucking thing you can <laughs> like right. show me the way so we do the jump he gives me the toggles he show me how to steer and he's like well he gives me the toggles and like a standard student and it makes me laugh these days because i do so many tandems sure. and he's like oh yeah you're you know, pull right, you'll go right, pull left, you'll go left. And so I'm like gently <laughs> pulling, you know, and he's he's like, no, fucking pull that thing. And just like, you know, grabs my hand and just buries it. And I'm like, oh, oh, my God, this is so good. <laughs> uh, Dude, that's- I do that. I guess like the fire was ignited at that point. Sure. I went I went back to Florida. I was, pro- I was, I was living in right in Orlando at that time. And something else happened that just like tipped the scale. Like I was there. I was like, I definitely want to do this. Skydiving seems super fun. Would be great to get my license. I talked to a few people and they had said, I said, how do you base jump? They said, well, you need to go learn how to fly a canopy first. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, cool. I'm going to do it. So I'm in Orlando, Florida. I had a a shop sponsor at the time, a shop named uh, Performance Ski and Surf. All my boards and stuff used to be uh, in there from uh, or like uh, they just had they were a dealer for everything. Mm. So if I broke boards and I needed extras before a contest or I needed a new pair of sunnies or whatever, I would just go and see Bill at Performance and grab something. And I happened to be in the shop one day and the next aisle over, I hear this chick talking and I hear this Kiwi voice. And I walk around the corner. I'm like, yo, Kiwi. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, what are you doing in Orlando, Florida? Like it's a weird, unless you're a wakeboarder, it's the weirdest place to be. For sure. She's like, she's like, my boyfriend is a professional skydiver. Oh, he's just over here. Let me introduce you. We get talking. Sky, this tall, lanky kind of guy comes around. He's like, hey, I'm uh, Shannon Pilcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that is. All right. He's like, outside he's, the sport. He's, yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a professional skydiver. I'm like, no way. I, I, I always wanted to learn that. Uh, he's like, oh, well, you know, my chick's into wakeboarding. At the time, I was like, let's let's make this happen. And he's like, he talked me into it. I ended up actually going out and doing my AF at the Kennedy Space Center in Titusville. <laughs> awesome. Not at Deland. And I, so I did my AF from 18,000 feet. It <laughs> gives you but, a little extra working time. I didn't even realize, right? I did my AF there, and then uh, Shannon's like, "Hey, come join us at Deland." And I went down to Deland, and I did like a, you know, a beginner flight course with him and Parks Bonifay because I I called Parks. I actually called Parks and another guy named Colin Harrington. I was like, "Boys, let's go skydive." I've been talking to heaps of the guys. Let's do this. And um, Parks and Colin were like, "Yep, sweet." So they jumped on board. So we went down and met Shannon and. <laughs> He took us for some uh, some beginner canopy courses, and then it got to the point where we were like, Shannon and a bunch of other guys from Deland were like, "Oh, we love wakeboarding too." 
can we come wakeboarding with you guys? We're like, yeah, well, why don't we just do trade out? Like you guys come wakeboarding with us one week and we'll set you up with brand new wakeboards from our sponsors and life jackets and ropes and handles and all that. And I was like, you guys can hook us up with stuff from your sponsors. So, so next minute I've got like an LT and a helmet and all the shit that I need. And they got all the shit they need. It was like, that's- that was, it was really it was a cool time. That's fucking epic. And and again, that's another huge parallel between the wakeboarding and the skydiving communities because just like with how you said with wakeboarding, you went from looking up to Parks Bonifay to being his friend. It's the exact same thing in skydiving. You know, it, it was yeah. maybe two years ago I started becoming better friends with Omar Al-Hijalan who is, you know, the, the epitome of... F- free flying and and the hardcore skydiving that i grew up with and he was a fucking hero the guy's same age as me but you know how it is age doesn't matter in these sports it's it's all ability and skill and and so i look up to a lot of people that are younger than me or the same age as me and and I've, i've had the opportunity to meet and become friends with him and olav and Meanwhile, some of the greatest in the sport now I'm happy enough to call friends watching these guys do shit that I could never fathom being able to do. And you have access to these people that in anything else you never would, which is so amazing. I yeah. mean, the fact that, that yeah. Shannon Pilcher basically pushed you into to starting to skydive is fucking fantastic, I man. I mean, he's skydiving royalty. Yeah, I know, and I know, and I didn't at the time. I had at the time I had no idea. Of course What's not. Even funny, you know, uh, a year and a bit ago or so, we had the World Championships down here in Australia, and Shannon was in town, and it just happened. We've we've stayed in contact all those years. He's now he's staying at my house with his wife and his kid, and we're like, we're like, this is so cool. Yep. Like we met so many years ago, and here we are all together. I'm married. He's got a kid, and uh, like you know beautiful woman it's like oh my god it's, it's it all ties in together oh so yeah man you have to love it i mean the first time i met shannon was uh, i believe it's got have cross keys back in the big party days and all that and all these other people that i met along the way and and cut to you know when i started the podcast and i end up with omar or craig gerard or or pablo hernandez mm-hmm. from the pd team all these amazing people that i've gotten to come sit in a fucking toilet and talk about skydiving <laughs> with me it's cool. right. It's it's, awesome. it's fucking amazing, man. It's it's uh, it really uh, puts such a human side to such an incredible sport. It really does. Now that's right. Well, as cliche as it is to say, it's it's really like the 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 sport bit is such a small bit of the overall experience. It is. Right? It is. No, it's it's the most community driven activity that I've ever been involved with and uh, it it becomes an all encompassing thing because the community is so attractive and and it's partially because we all enjoy do some, doing something that is obviously a little bit risky and and uh, um, is definitely a bit on the edge but it's just such an accepting open freeing community and I think you you said it uh, in the very beginning in this PC world that we've ended up in and I'm fucking not pc you know (laughs) it's just i love that (laughs) yeah it's just not my flavor i get it and i i try and act that way outside of skydiving but in the sport i think this is one of the few places where although we still are trying to be better nobody's pushing it you know i mean that that whole pc drive in the rest of the world kind of hasn't caught up with skydiving quite yet (laughs) 
And yeah. I enjoy that because it's it, nice. Yeah, everybody just gets to be themselves and nobody's offended. You know, I mean, yeah. that that's one of the things that I try and explain to people that aren't in the sport is if the people that I'm jumping and working with and playing with in skydiving aren't insulting me on a relatively regular basis, then I assume I've done something to make them mad. Yeah, that's right. You know, but you can't explain that to me. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, they say in Australia, you know, if you, if you, if someone calls you mate, hey, mate, it's like saying, hey, cunt. Yes. But if someone's like, hey, cunt, that's like, oh, you're my, that's my friend. Exactly. You know, like, like, you call your, you call your mates cunts and you call people that are actual cunts mate because you're just like, you're like, hey, mate, and it's like the worst thing you could say to someone. Absolutely. I mean, every time, and I hate to say it with social media, but every time a, a, a this person's <laughs> having a birthday comes up and it's a close friend, my automatic go-to is, all right, what's the worst fucking thing I can possibly think of to call this friend publicly to let them know how much I care? Yeah. <laughs> right? Which is a wonderful thing. I just, I, just, I, just, I just had exactly the same thing. You know, I just had my 40th uh birthday a couple of weeks ago and and same thing my skydiving and base jumping mates like the the facebook feed is just filled with like the most obnoxious <laughs> like crass like 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 happy vagina day ass mouth you can't like we and like and i know how much love is put with that and then and then you know it gets like no likes from family members or right. other people and they're like what are these people talking about but it's just like the way we talk to each other and we know because we know it's reciprocated in the right way. Sure. Well, I'm sure you're not offended. No, no, not like, at all. We're not sensitive about that stuff. Well, I'm sure you've had the same thing. I've had people make pretty horrible comments publicly on, on Facebook or whatever. And then I've had family <laughs> members or friends that aren't in the sport come to my defense. <laughs> online and you're dying going oh, no. no but you don't understand dad he likes me that's why he said i do this yeah, yeah. yeah. but they, yeah. they don't get it they don't he doesn't get it. actually want to punch me in the face no. he actually like would give me a hug and kiss exactly so um we, we talked <laughs> no, about uh, how you got into skydiving with shannon pilcher of all people to get you into skydiving you're a working professional skydiver now. So where did that transition happen? I mean, when did you finally put down the competition board and pick up the rig? Well, I went from starting and I just and I just got to my A license. I got to about 50 jumps. Mm. And then we're at uh, that. I think I, start, I started, I did my AF in 2006. And then that took us to about 2008. And then at that point in time, the economy crashed in America. Yep. As you would probably remember, I do. and I started losing sponsors, Oof. and I'm not talking like a little bit of sponsorship. I'm talking like, uh, you know, like I had like a hundred thousand dollars a year kind of worth of contracts, right? And then now they're getting chopped to fifty and thirty, and and the rest of the rest of my paycheck used to be made up of um, winning contests sure. or doing. Um, demos videos photos magazine stuff like that <clears throat> and so i had to chop something at the time i was like wakeboarding a lot i was still surfing as much as i could i was riding motocross a heat mm. uh my clothing sponsor was a company called alpine stars they're a big motocross uh company yep. and i was doing lots of stuff i was doing lots of other fun stuff i got involved with travis pastrana and the guys at nitro circus i wanted to flip dirt bikes which i went and did and doing all sorts of other stuff and skydiving just i was like something has to give here 
and I just chopped skydiving straight off the board because mm. I didn't want to give up this other stuff. And I was like, something has to give here. I just, I just don't have the funds sure. that I had freely to play with it. <clears throat> so I actually put skydiving on the back burner for probably like three years, I think. Mm. And I did. And, and finally, when things started to recover, I was like, shit, I, I don't have any gear anymore. I, I got to my A license. I got like 50 jumps, I think, at that time, which by standards these days is not very much. Sure. But I was just, I, I was, I was loving it at the time. And I just knew that I would come back to it one day. And I was back in Australia and I was like, I've got some extra funds. I'm going to get back. I want to do my B rails. I want to start this, this, finish what I kind of started and start chasing this base jumping idea sure. again. And so I called Shannon. I was like, hey, I'm in Australia. I don't know anyone here. I live close to Byron Bay, but I don't want to just walk in there as some like punter off the street right. and maybe get treated as such. I was like, do you got any hookups you can <laughs> slingshot me into? He's like, oh yeah, let me, let me make a phone call. So he calls me back. He goes, okay. He goes, uh, buddy of mine, his name's Roger. He's like, you're going to meet Roger tomorrow. I was like, you know worries. And it's like, Who's Roger? He's like, oh, yeah, his name's Roger Mulkey. He runs a small little thing called Funny Farm and <laughs> um, this and that. I'm like, I don't know shit from shit. So I go meet Roger. We go over some emergency procedures. We start jumping the next day. We end up like doing our B-rails, like the whole lot. Like I start swinging straight back in. I actually learn to pack because in America, when you first start, it's like, you don't even really learn to pack because it's so cheap to pack her. It's like, why would I pack this damn thing? Right. Yeah, I have the money. Like, so um, yeah, I met I met Roger, and then Roger goes, "Oh, we have this like little party that we that we throw." And I didn't even know what a bookie was at all. He goes, "We have this little thing." He's like, "Would you do you want to come?" I was like, "Sure, sounds cool." He's like, "There's going to be heaps of good skydivers there. You'll probably learn a lot." <clears throat> I was like, cool. So I went to Funny Farm with Jesus. 60 jumps, I think. <laughs> with no clue what it was. <laughs> and, and with no clue about anything. I got there and that year, uh, Dukes was there. Uh, Fred Fugin, Vince was there. Jesus. Um, it was So I got to meet all these like rock stars in the sport. Right. And I got to kind of meet them all and everybody was super cool. And like, I mean, considering I was a total kook at skydiving and all these people were badasses, everybody like took the time, took some effort with me. And I was like, this is really cool. Right. And, um, after, and so after that, I just pretty much, I just like, I, I actually got a chance to sit down with Dukes one night there. And, um, I was like, I want to be a base jumper. He's like, sweet. I'm like, what do I have to do? He's like, well, get a hundred skydives. And that was at the time. Like, I mean, it's a little bit more now, right? But I was like, get a hundred skydives and then come and talk to me. Right. And I was living back in the US still. I was going, we're going back and forth. Um, so I went and I was living at this time. I'd actually moved. So I did my first seven years of my wakeboard career in Orlando, Florida. And then I was dating, dating a girl at the time. And she was like, she was from New Zealand, but she wanted to move out to the West coast. And I was like, you know what? Nobody in wakeboarding has done that. Like there's only four, three or four pros on the West coast. There's like 50 pros in Orlando. I was like, I'm always been the person that wants to just do something different. Sure. So I was like, screw it. I packed up our whole life into a truck and uh, my F one fifty and put my, put my freaking boat on the back. And we 
drove across America and set up in California and Long Beach actually to start off with. And, um, and things went from there. But, um, I got, I, I just got like so lucky. I was living in Canyon Lake. So I was between Paris and Elsinore. Oof. I started meeting some people. I was doing like people like oh, introduced me to balloon jumping. They're like, Oh yeah, we go jump this balloon every day. It's like, it was only like 50 or 60 bucks. Right. It's like, cool. This is awesome. <laughs> and, um, I did my hundredth skydive the day before I drove to the Prine Bridge. Um, I couldn't actually meet dudes. We tried to get our, our um, schedules to fit. Couldn't make it happen. He's like, I'm going to put you in touch with my friends, Jimmy and Marta. So I went up and met Jimmy and he um, took us for our, for my first 11 base jumps off the bridge. And I was, after that, I was hooked. I was like, I was everything. I absolutely everything I dreamed of. The first jump was I was so psyched to finally be there. It was like there was no no scared, no hesitation, no nothing. First jump, awesome. Second jump, awesome. Third jump, the gravity of everything like hit me, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh shit!" Like this shit is real. Right. Like I just I just watched someone do a gainer and bridle wrap on their leg and like nearly go in, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like this shit is so real, and that kind of like put the handbrake on but i was like i was still so psyched and from from then on then on i went i flew back to australia like i normally do as as the winter comes in on america i met dukes in the blue mountains he's like oh yeah we're going into the blue mountains you can come join us so i got 11 base jumps and they're like come and join us at our beginner base jump spot here in australia <laughs> and um, i did the the next set of jumps off the overhang in the blue mountains which was absolutely terrifying I bet. like i the, the canopy skill level that i had and i laugh now because obviously like i'm that quintessential want to be a base jumper had a minimum amount of canopy skills and then just went and started base jumping. Sure. that's a, like i mean you hear the story all the time oh, yeah. right and it's and it's quite funny now but also terrifying that you think like that we even did that or that we thought that that was okay oh yeah but I survived. I got through that. You know, by that stage, my first my first base jump was at 32, and then um, I started rock and rolling. And I was kind of a little bit um, disheartened with with uh, skydiving. I bet by that time, I'd you know been to 10 or 20 drop zones in different places, and I'd gotten to meet some of uh, the sky gods. Sure, I guess you would call them. Sure, <laughs> and I was like coming from a sport that is much bigger than um, skydiving coming, being, being able to play with the guys that were professional surfers, professional motocross riders, professional wakeboarding, you know, skydiving was the tiniest on those, on the blip of those sports, you know, those sports like really overshadowed it. But then I met some people in there that I was like, these guys are real dicks Mm. and they think they're so fucking cool. And they're not even, and they're not even cool at all. They're in fact they're like they're just skydivers, and that's sure. it. And I started to actually see the <clears throat> disconnect even within the sport, and would notice like I would go somewhere and be like, "Oh, those guys are skydivers, but they base jump as well." Sure. And they're all really cool and really welcoming. And I meet these guys that were just free flyers or whatever, and they like would have like not the time of day for anyone that sure. only had a hundred jumps or whatever. And I was like screw this. I was like, why am I hanging out with these kooks? This sucks. So and sure. I just straight up, I just stopped skydiving. I was like, nah, skydiving's you know, not cool. At all. 
It, it, well, and, and skydiving definitely went through that phase, and, and I kind of had a similar experience in not the beginnings, but uh, not quite my midpoint in skydiving. And, and it was the same thing. You'd see these, the as you say, sky gods that didn't have time for anybody that wasn't up to their snuff, so to speak. Uh, but I've also now seen the transition over the last maybe decade or so where people that are like that are starting to be ostracized and they find that being that sky god is no longer fucking cool. Now, uh. if you're not willing to go play with the 100 Jump Wonder and help and mentor, then you're fucked. So being a sky god anymore is Good. a it's a joke, and it, yeah, absolutely, it should yeah. be. You know, uh, take yeah. uh, Team Airwax uh, right now. Uh, they're a great example of what it's like to be literally a world champion team and as open and happy to be skydiving and having fun with everybody. It's And that's an amazing thing because back when skydiving was first getting recognition with the X Games and all that kind of stuff, that's when that real hardcore sky yeah. god mentality was there, and it was ugly. And I don't, yeah. I don't see that so much anymore, which is amazing. But I can absolutely understand why it pushed you out. Well, it's funny, you know, like like coming from these larger sports and and getting to hang out with heroes, like literally hang out with Kelly Slater mm. and people like that, and realize like this guy is the greatest of all time in sure. surfing. Which, like, it, on a scale of one to ten, you know, surfing's at the top end, and skydiving being down here, and he had absolutely no reason to ever give me the time of day. Right. And yet here we are sitting at a banquet, drinking beers, going surfing together, and absolutely being the coolest guy ever. Sure. And giving anyone his time of day to bouncing between Paris Lodi and Elsinore and meeting some people that I was like, what's up with these guys? Like, I'm not into this. That actually pushed me out of the sport. I was like, screw that. I just was base jumping all the time while I, everywhere I went, I met base jumpers and I was like, oh my God, this is my family. These guys are cool lads. I show up in Moab. I call someone. I'm in Moab. I don't know any. All I see is cliffs that look like they're jumpable. I have nowhere to go. Three people from three different countries ring a friend of ours, Jill Cars. Like, hey, Jill, this guy Jeff's in town. They're like, go to this. They go to Eddie McStiff's. She'll be bartending. I roll down. I walk in. She's like, you must be Jeff. I'm like, yep. She's like, my house is down the road. There's three other base jump girls that are staying there. You can be welcome to stay as long as you want. I was like, how is, what is this? I'm just rolling it. This is right. awesome. I end up staying for like a month on their floor. I meet Andy Lewis and all their crew. And we're jumping with this big badass crew of girls. Like every day, me and my buddy Ants from um, New Zealand, he had just done Dukes' course. So this was a few years later after he had been watching me go into it. He was like, I want to do this too. Right. We're traveling around together and he's, um, we get to Moab and they're just like, yep, come stay. We'll show you all the exits. Like they were just like the biggest welcoming family, you know? Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, it wasn't until like much later that I, when I retired from, when I retired from uh, wakeboarding and I was like, what am I going to do? Like, and I'd been thinking, I retired at 34. And people had been asking me, oh, when are you going to retire from like the age of 28? And it was in the back of my mind. What the hell am I going to do? And how, you know, what's going to be like, I've done a great job of spending every dime and having the absolute best I can. Sure. Best fun, you know. But the transition was going to be difficult out of that and into something else. I was like, I need to find something that I like to do. Um, sure. And I was like, well, I love, love base jumping. 
skydiving is pretty fun. And by that, that stage, I'd already lost a few friends base jumping. And I was sure. like starting to realize that the people that seem to do the best in the sport are the ones that also skydive all the time. Sure. And so that's what really slung shot me back around. At this stage, we had moved back to back down to Australia here, uh, near Byron Bay, and um, I went and I went into the drop zone, and I said, "I want to become a tandem master. I want to. I want to sky- get into skydiving. If I want to, I, I did the same thing that I was doing wakeboarding. Is I just like, if I want to be good at this, I need to just throw myself 110 percent into it. Sure. And it was like the only way to do it is to do it every single day as much as you possibly can. Yep. So I went in there and I knew one guy for that I'd met at Funny Farm and he talked to the boss there and they were like, hey, can you, you can, I was like, I'll be the janitor. <laughs> I, I, so I went from being like, you know, two-time world champion, wakeboarder, going <laughs> everywhere to like, hey, I will do anything to, ju- I've, I'm, I've run out of sponsors, I'm running out of money, I will, you know, where do I go from here? <clears throat> No, like we need a bus driver, we need a janitor, and we need a packer. And I was like, sign me up. Awesome. And and you know, even my my chief instructor Joe, he he has since said to me, man, he was like, when you first came in, he was like looking at your resume from what you've done. He's like, I didn't know how you were really gonna go stepping away from being a mega rock star into like just being like Joe Blow janitor nobody at sure. the drop zone. But. I mean, it soon became apparent that, you know, I was a pretty driven person and I was willing sure. to do whatever it takes to 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 get where I want to go. So, Which yeah. is epic. And I'm actually going to back you up a bit because you said a name <clears throat> that I had to giggle but keep my mouth shut. Jill Kuzman. Jill Kuz. Yeah. I took yeah. her on her very first tandem in Skydive Cross Keys. No so way. She That's was the. Awesome. I took her for a very first jump. She shows up. She's talking to a bunch of people uh, at the drop zone, and me being at the time the stereotypical male chauvinist pig on the drop zone. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And when you're doing your paperwork, you make sure you ask for me. I'll take you on your jump. <laughs> so and she did. Of course she did. So I took her on the first jump, and she became an active jumper at Skydive Cross Keys and a good friend. So it cracked me up when you yeah. said that because I remember when she moved out there out west to do that but i also wanted to ask you about one other person that you and i have in common how the fuck do you know nick martinez oh i love nick he's so, so awesome. do i so i was living out in uh i was living out on the west coast um at this stage i decided <clears throat> i was like transitioning out of the wakeboarding i was i literally got to a point where there was like the last couple of years of my career was like I wasn't even wake. I was collecting checks and I was like barely wakeboarding. I was right. like, I got, Alp- I got Alpine stars to pay for my base jumping course. Um, <laughs> I got, you know, I got like, I was using all my money to like buy skydiving gear, wing suits, like whatever. And I knew, I knew come contract time at the end of the year, it was going to be like over. So right. I just milked it. I milked every last ounce of it. And um, during that time I had met a guy who's now one of my very best friends, his name's Timmy, lives in Granite Bay, um, just outside of Sacramento. Mm. I met Timmy. I actually subsequently, and years years later, actually taught Timmy to base jump as well. Um, but at, while I was out that way, I was living in Granite Bay. We were going up to Tahoe all the time. I started jumping at Lodi all <laughs> the time. <laughs> yep. so like, yeah. 
Uh, it was cool. Like I was, it was, it was during the time that Jonathan Flores was there. Um, I got to meet, you know, guys like Marshall Miller and, and a bunch of other really cool cats as well. Um, but during that time, I met a guy named Graham Hunt, who you would probably yep. know of as the other person that unfortunately passed away with Dean Potter. Yeah. Um, now, I met, I met Graham through a friend of mine, B. Gonclaves, uh, and she had been working at Lodi for a while. Um, and we were going up to Tahoe and still wakeboarding and, and doing this and that. And we like, we spent like 4th of July together and, and I was like pretty, pretty hard into, uh, the base jumping at that time. And B took us out to Yosemite. Mm. We met Graham, Graham and I clicked right away. We like, there was just something that we just like, we instantly clicked. Like everybody we met like the first day, we did a little bit of rock climbing together. And then, uh, I was like, Hey, I want to jump this, like all of this. And he was like, <laughs> really? I was like, no, I'm like dead serious. So he took us at the time up uh, half dome. Yep. We jumped half dome in the afternoon and then we came and landed and everybody was like, I'm tired. Everybody was like, I'm out, we're done. And I was like, you want to go do El Cap? And he was like, you want to fucking back, you want to back up half dome with El Cap, like back to back. I was like, yeah, let's repack and go. He was like, fuck yeah he was like someone i could rage with i was like sure so we that was us we started so i I started hanging out with graham all the time he was showing me around the valley we were living in uh we were staying down in sean larry's uh little caravan like just outside of the park i never unfortunately got to meet sean i would have loved but it was so cool to be in his place with his friends and get to um, really experience some of the history. And then because that history tied right back in with Frank. Sure. Um, and uh, during that time, I also got introduced to Nick via my friend, uh, Tom Grayson. I know Tom as well. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. So we were actually traveling from uh, Granite Bay. We we're doing a road trip down to Arizona for the Arizona base boogie one year. And we, we just stopped in the park on the way through. I said, because I wanted to see Graham. I was like, let's stop in, in by the park. We didn't even actually jump, which was pretty funny for us. Because like, norm, like normally if there was a minute, I would make it happen. We came in and it was, it was something funny. I remember Duke saying to me years ago, like, always hug your friends. Because you never know when it's the last time you're going to see them. Sure. We came into the park. We, well, we came down to Larry's house and we got there way late, late at night. We camped, me, Tom, and uh, my, my now wife, Kayla, camped outside Graham's place. And I thought, Graham said, oh, yeah, I'm going to be going climbing in the morning. Um, I might miss you. I might be there. Woke up and we woke up late in the morning and I thought, oh, shit, I've missed him. I just like went and knocked on the, on the trailer and he comes out all bleary-eyed and I got a <laughs> massive bottle of jack for him and i'm like graham what's up he, uh, he's like what well, he's like we're talking shit he's like what's this bottle for i'm like bro just merry christmas like you're the fucking legend i love you like here you go gave him a big hug like we got to keep going we're driving to arizona um but we actually met nick in the park that morning had um breakfast with him mm. and turns out nick is really close friends with my one of my best friends dwayne Priestley. Um, from down here so between like graham and tom and dp it's like everybody knew nick and then sure. nick and i met and um and we become friends re- like right away we clicked also 
And um, the next time subsequently I would see Nick would be in hospital with Charlie Kalinkas after after Nick had his accident. Sure. Um, out out that way in the park. So. And we, you know, like he he had this big crazy mustache in in the hospital, so we all grew like big <laughs> fucking handlebar mustaches. Uh, yeah, we, we went and seen him in hospital a few times, and we've always, you know, we've always just like kept in contact. He's like such a legend of a dude. Oh I love man, him. and Nick I love is- I love that it ties in now that he's out like with all these big wave surf guys that are sitting on the jet ski at Mavericks and shit. I, yes, I said to him, I was like, man, you gotta you gotta learn to surf. You're around the best dudes in the world, like take advantage of that oh dude he's such an epic guy i mean when i met nick him uh evo ninov and emma mcneely and the rest of the stone monkeys came out because they wanted to learn how to skydive so that they could fucking base jump and of course i'm tucked in my tight little skydiving world i don't know who the fuck the stone monkeys are who are these guys cool they're really nice guys well i took nick on his first aff jump one of the scariest AFF jumps I've ever been on because, you know, Nick, he's tall and lanky and thin. Yeah. And these yeah. guys don't get fucking rattled because they're, they're used to all this, you know, hardcore exposure yeah. hanging off these walls. So he's not freaked out at all. Me, on the other hand, I'm watching my student helicopter away from me, put with, you know, giving him the pull signal the entire time, freaked out. But he's calm as can be spinning on his first aff yeah. he's thrown both his instructors he pulls we <laughs> land and he's apologizing oh man that was really bad i'm so sorry in that thick accent that nick has got yeah and and, and i'm i look at him and i smiled and i said look um so they taught me that i should always say something positive about the skydive <laughs> But this one's going to be kind of tough. But, and I tell him everything that he did wrong. And then I smile and said, but I will jump with you every fucking day of the week because you did the one thing you need to do on every skydive. You pulled. You pulled. I can. You pulled, dude. I can fix everything else. If you don't pull, I can't fix that. But you opened the parachute. So, of course, Nick and, and Ammon and Evo, we all become good friends, and, and I've kept in touch with Nick over the years and, and through you know excitement and tragedy, and that guy is just a fucking rock star and is humble yeah. and soft-spoken and as sweet a guy, especially considering how truly talented that guy is. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Well, well and it's funny because you've already named uh, I don't know how many people that we have in common. You and I have never met. You were recommended I know. that I should talk to you via Nick, and it turns out of course we know all the same crew. It sounds to me like you were in California at the same time I was flying for Ray Farrell. Um so yeah. we've crossed paths pretty fucking close and that's one of the things I love. Yeah. Sure. It's one of the things I love yeah. so much about skydiving is that no matter how far around the globe were spread it is such a a small fun community yes it really is and that and and it's so it it is amazing and that and that's one of the things that i maybe want to bring it back around to is that like we were talking about that you know that time when there was you know the sky god and then and then me coming back into the community and the second time i came back around into the community once i came back into australia I, i decided instead of letting these people um you know negatively affect my view on skydiving why don't i just become the person within the industry that i wish that i had found when i first came around or like the base jumpers that i met and stuff like that so 
that's uh, that's one thing you know like meeting nick and meeting graham and meeting all these and meeting charlie kalinkas and all these people that are amazing and and all their and they're all amazing not just because they skydive or base jump but but in their own realms they're rock stars you know like you've got nick badass climbing you've got Charlie's a doctor. My friend Timmy is like, you know, does many things like pilot, you know, helicopter, plane, like, or like people have all these multiple skills. Sure. But yeah, they ha- still have the time to be an awesome human being. Sure. Well, but, that's one, and of, that's the, what matters. One, one of the things that I've been so constantly impressed with doing this podcast is talking to people that I know as skydivers and finding out what's behind the skydiver and finding out about crazy education and crazy jobs and all these amazing things that they've done either before or during skydiving that you don't know about because they're just this person you're having a blast with going out and jumping. You know, I knew Charlie Kerlinkus, but I didn't know Dr. Charlie. I mean, when I had him on the podcast, you're talking to him and it's fucking fantastic. You know, and if, if you if you hurt yourself, you would have got to know him real quick because he would have stuck a finger up your butt real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and and those are the great things because skydiving just yeah. seems to draw people that uh, have all these amazing things outside of jumping. But the one thing that unifies us all is is the love of skydiving, or at least the love for the community of skydiving. And so yeah, as we, right. as we wrap around to the tail end of things, you're now working full time in skydiving. So did you ever yeah. see yourself getting to this? No. Well, <laughs> well, like like I said, like I said, definitely. Like I never thought I would work in the industry to the to the point that when I was at Lodi and I was just a fun jumper and my reserve was out and I said to a friend of mine, oh shit, my reserve's out. And he was like, ah, just fucking pencil pack that thing. <laughs> and I never thought anything twice about it, right? And then two or three years later, I came back and I'm working in the industry and someone caught the mistake and it went all the way through to the APF. And I got like, you know, I got I got hung out to dry on that. I, I got I learned some lessons. But like I said, I I never thought that I would work in the industry and I never, never saw the like the ramifications of the of, of the thing that I could have done had I went in sure. and had that the, the rigor that I had forged their signature then <laughs> being like, oh, oops. So there was lots of lessons, lots <laughs> of lessons were learned at that point of time. But um, yeah, I'm working for Skydive Australia in Byron Bay nowadays, um, predominantly a tandem master. Um, my, my love is <clears throat> coaching people with base canopies. Nice. I don't, I don't, I'm not a, I don't fly any smaller than a 150. I'm a, I'm a wingsuit guy. I love wingsuiting. I love wingsuit base jumping. I love all aspects of base jumping. People come and they say, I want to base jump. And instead of being like people back in the day that would just laugh the AFF student off the, off the drop zone, I'm like, here's a person that we can cultivate. Sure. Why are we laughing at their dream? Because I was that person once and here I am now doing all the things sure doing all the things that i that i wanted to do i was like instead of having someone laugh at me it would have been good to say hey here's the steps that we do from now until here and it might take you five or ten years to do all those things sure but here we can lay it out for you and now you've got a journey that you can take so you know i've been cultivating the the local wingsuit and the local want want to learn to base jump community here in like Southeast Queensland. We get a lot of guys and girls coming through and I will freely 
teach them to pack base rigs. I, I, I suggest a lot because we don't have the objects here in Australia that are really, really great, like a bridge, sure. um, you know, pre being locked down. It's like my suggestion to people is, hey, <clears throat> go link up with Dukes and the guys that learn a base jump and go to Europe and do it. But if you want to come and learn some stuff before you go there, I'll teach you how to pack. You can come and ground crew for me. I'll show you some bits and pieces. So before you ever go and meet up with Dukes and those guys, that um, you have some kind of idea of what the hell's going on, how to use a laser, how to differentiate between what pilot shoots you're using, how to fly in deep breaks. Because everybody that's been taught to skydive is flying with this like either front riser swoop idea for a small canopy or, or just like on the toggles, but hands up and coming and flare. Whereas like, we've got a rig down here and that's actually the learn to base jump rig. We've got a base canopy in it. I have all these people come in and I teach them how to fly deep breaks and all sorts of configurations and, and get them to fly in such a different manner because swooping ain't going to help shit when you're <laughs> landing in the trees. No. You know, like, <laughs> no. like, like here in Australia, it's like, find a big canopy and learn to fly it slow and in the deepest breaks you possibly can. Sure. And I, that, I really enjoy the technicality. I, lo- I love to go to the Blue Mountains. I love to go to places like places that I thought previous were I would never jump. And then now I'm just like, I love that shit. Sure, I sure. love like the technicality of like the jump doesn't start till the canopy opens for me. Like <laughs> you can do the aerial, you can do this and that. It's like, pfft whatever the jump hasn't started till the canopy's open it's facing in the right direction and you got to put it in a meter square in between the trees and rocky boulders or you get broken legs and you get to go to hospital which is what i also like about it right there's that's the thing about base jumping where you either show up and you have the skills and you have an awesome time with your friends in the mountain and there's no diesel telling you you can't do that or you should do this or you get far <laughs> and it's like it's you know, like it's like that's what I like about that. You have to show up with a with having put the work in, and in a, in a world where everybody wants to post a cool photo of yourself wingsuit base jumping on social media, it's like you don't get there without the work. So I like the commitment factor because when I meet people that are that are either on the path or are there, they've committed, they've put the time and effort, and I I, I really like that. Sure. Well, they're that's- just skirting it. That's the thing, especially with base jumping, is there's no wiggle room, you know, and that's actually no. kind of one of the things that kept me out of Well, there's two things that kept me out of base jumping. One is I became a father just about the time I would have started base jumping, and two, uh, the very first year I was in skydiving, a guy by the name of Will Forche hired me to go help him film a video called Lemmings, which is the br- or which was the Bridge Day video uh-huh. off the New River Gorge. So I stood yep. at the base of the New River Gorge on the sand next to the river watching people pound themselves in, fly into trees, and break themselves left, right, and center all fucking day long and went, yeah, yeah that was really cool to video. I never need to do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it was a great uh, weeding out process because I learned in literally one day everything that you just said. It's either you have it or you don't, and I didn't have it. <laughs> And I'm cool yeah, with that I, because it means I get to live vicariously through people like you, which is fantastic. I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm totally awesome. good with that. And I mean, uh, 
perfect. They're like you get to keep all your femurs get to stay in one piece and yeah, man. everyone's good. Yeah, man. So now as we wrap things up, how do people track you down if they want to talk to you about learning how to base jump? They're in Australia. That's their dream. How do they hook up with you if they just want to do a tandem? How do they find you? Uh, Instagram and Facebook are the easiest ways. Just my name, Jeff Weatherall. I have a couple pages on there, real easy to contact. I, I always make a real habit of getting back to people, answering any questions that people have and just trying to really like cultivate the community where I have a reach. Awesome. You know, there's lots of things that I can, that I can't change, but you come and talk to me and I'll do my very best to either help you or point you in the right direction of the people that I know that can help you. Um, as far as coming to do a tandem with me, call Scott of Australia, coming in a Byron, tell the manifest girls you want to jump with Jeff and I'll take you for a ride. Awesome. There you go, man. I'll tell you what, <laughs> for anybody that's listening that's down under that wants to learn how to base jump or get strapped to Jeff to go for a tandem, now you know. And I got a few listeners, one or two down under that are listening to what's going on. Jeff, I yeah. cannot thank you enough for taking the time to sit down and I'm stoked I'm going to give Nick a huge kiss the next time I see him for hooking awesome. you and me up so we could have this chat. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. It's, it's fun to share a drink with you and talk some shit. Absolutely, man. Blue skies. All right. Once again, that's another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void in the Can brought to you as always. You say it with me. Come on. The greatest magazine in the known universe, Blue Skies Magazine. Head to blueskiesmag.com and check them out. Also by pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective and Summit Parachute Systems. Head to summitparachutesystems.com. Check out the amazing pilot rigs and the fantastic rigging courses with Jarrett Martin. For me, the fucking pilot, as always, head to thefuckingpilot.net to get the links to all of these podcasts as well as both the books. We'll see you next time.